welcome to TV Break, the PopBreak.com's monthly roundup of all the ins and outs of the world of TV. I am PopBreak podcast editor Alex Marcus, and I am joined by, as I have been for the past 36 straight months, PopBreak editor-in-chief Bill Bodkin. Happy third anniversary, Bill. Well, hello there. Happy New Year. Uh, technically, is this a season four? Is this it season? is technically season four. Wild times. Wild times, man unbelievable but yes that is how long we've been doing this podcast for every single week with our every single month rather without fail um and along with bill uh i am as almost always is the case uh joined by my friend uh he is i believe still sending warner brothers discovery ceo david zasloff to voicemail even though we all are pretty sure that he's probably calling with good news right uh, it's our resident TV columnist, Josh Hackey. Hope that show you've been sp- working on for the last two years of your life still makes it on the air, Josh. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't count on at this point. <laughs> oh, Sorry, well, <laughs> the behind the scenes were world of TV uh, may be in a state of constant chaos and uncertainty these days. But we here at TV Break uh, choose to look at the bright side of life, uh, as a Monty Python uh, may have said once or twice. Um, and that means uh, in this case uh, that we were going to be excitedly and with much anticipation talk about the things that we are most looking forward to on 2023 when it comes to the world of TV. Uh, We will also be checking in on the streaming wars and review The Witcher Blood Origin for our new series Spotlight, which we are all so excited to talk about. Uh, But before we get into all of that, uh, Bill, what was the best thing you watched on TV last month? Well, there's two things. One I can only briefly talk about because that would uh, spoil a podcast we have coming up. That would be the season two premiere of Bill vs. the MCU. I've been watching the first season of Daredevil, and I will downplay it by saying it's good. I won't go into <laughs> yeah. anything further. So we're talking Bill, about the Defenders let's first. Not, let's not lose our heads uh, and talk about Daredevil quite yet. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying. If you've if you've only been introduced to Daredevil via Spider-Man No Way Home or She-Hulk and you're OK with uh, a TVMA version of Matt Murdock, go on to Disney Plus and watch Daredevil season one. That's just about as much as I'll say. But the show I have watched 10 million times, I have added to so much of this show's streaming time is Wednesday <laughs> because it's my daughter's new favorite show. Uh, OK. Yeah. And it's it's a lot of fun. It's a fun series um dropped uh in december and uh it's kind of within that whole supernatural school subgenre that has been ruling everything for decades since we first went to hogwarts and then uh you know it's kind of adjacent to sabrina so if you like the chilling adventures of sabrina you'll probably like this it's very tim burton-esque um jenna ortega is really fun in the role of wednesday adams uh, it's it's a fun movie. It's a fun series, I should say. It's funny. It does have some legit scary moments to it. It's got a nice little mystery at the center of it. This is a fun show to binge right before we start getting back into the prestige television of the 2023 season. I, you know, if that's if this is your thing, if you like some spooky stuff, Wednesday is a really good show to check out. I, I really I really enjoyed it. I don't know if you guys watched it or not. Alex, I feel like maybe you did. 
No, I did not because it came out um, and, you know, I have seen every Tim Burton film um, and uh, definitely would say that I once upon a time enjoyed him as a filmmaker. But, you know, he is no longer a guarantor for success. Uh, And as a result, you know, I was looking at this project and thinking, well, you know, it's the Addams Family. I don't know. This seems like maybe a miss. I remember even talking to somebody and saying, like, what is Jenny Ortega doing? She's on a hot streak after screen. And now she's like throwing her luck in with this Wednesday Adam solves a murder mystery at like evil school. And I'm just like, what are you doing? This is a bad choice. But turns out, great choice, best choice. She is now one of the biggest stars in Hollywood (laughs) overnight. She 100% is. I'm waiting. I'm sure her Marvel deal has been FedEx to her house. I have Uh, actually heard rumors that she is being considered for a Marvel role um, that I won't go into more details because we might talk about it on our other podcast yeah Uh, (laughs) but if you like tim burton i feel this kind of gets back to the root of tim burton where it is a nice balance between humor and horror and the performances here are really good the young cast is is like basically in five to ten years we're going to go back to the show and be like oh there's that person who's on this and that person who's on this that's how it seems this is like this is going to be the jump off for so many people's careers that maybe have done stuff that, you know, maybe they were like a second, third string player or maybe people didn't watch. And this is going to kind of catapult them to mainstream stuff. I, I really feel that. Um, I've heard uh, that the girls uh, Emma are kind Myers. of. Yeah, I've heard that the girls are kind of like acting circles around the boys. In this oh, show. that's that's yeah. being generous. <laughs> that's being generous. These boys that the they're not I don't know if it's their parts aren't written well or their performances aren't the best. But the, the 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 girls in this in the cast and literally because they're portraying girls are they're excellent. Uh, Gwendolyn Gwendolyn uh, Christie is amazing. Christina Ricci's great. Um, and the the whole Gomez Morticia recasting with Catherine Zeta Jones and Luis Guzman actually very oddly works. So it's it's a wonderfully weird relationship. So yeah, Wednesday is a good show. If you're if you're a little on the fence about this. I have been on the fence and not loved everything Tim Burton has done recently, although I do love a lot of his stuff. I think it's it's definitely worth a try. I'm glad that you talked about it, though, because we kind of because in December we took a look back yeah. at 2022. We didn't get to really talk about any new things that hit. And basically Wednesday came out at the very end of November and became a runaway hit and uh, yeah. has been ever since. It's like one of those Netflix properties that just won't die in terms of like constantly being in the top 10 for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And yeah, so I'm glad that we're getting a chance to talk about it here. Josh, you've been nodding along, but have been very quiet. Have you watched this show yet? I did. I did get to watch all of it. All right. And I will agree with some of Bill's points. I think uh, Jenna Ortega is really good in this. Um, her dance scene, even though behind the scenes is a little uh, gross, she was sick with COVID and they made her do that still. Um, that's not great. Um, but she's it? phenomenal Took, in it. It, it. This show wouldn't would be half as popular if it wasn't for that dance scene taking TikTok by storm. So oh, It's an God. amazing it, dance. It's that, great. Sh- that, that whole dance <laughs> sequence was like, hey, how are we going to get on TikTok? Yeah. And that was it. No, it, yep. the, the dance is great. Don't like the circumstances which she filmed it. Um, yes. Other than that, the show is very, I, for, for me, it was a little bit Tim Burton meets Riverdale too much for me. Like oh, the, uh, yeah, the love sure quadrangle of it all was like infuriating. And there's some like side Riverdale pair. already is sort of like Tim Burton-y in different ways. So yeah. that's like, you know, a copy of a copy. We're getting pretty much. Was it, was it the story, though, or is it those guys just didn't work? 
I mean, I mean, that's part of it. It's just like, okay, <laughs> we've got another kind of like broody kind of boy bandish looking guy here again doing something mysterious. It's, t- it's tall, wafy, thin boys like trying to be the love interest and everyone's like, don't buy it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was much more invested in the relationship between Wednesday and her roommate than I was in any of the other relationships. 100%. And in some of the some of the side characters, it didn't work. Like the whole like side story with the uh, the siren and her mom. It's like this doesn't have anything to do with this story. I don't know where we're going. With I, this. I feel like that was a build for us. The, the now announced second season. Now, what Maybe. I have to ask you guys while we're on this topic one of the things that made me really roll my eyes when this was first announced several years ago is that they were like, we're going to make a show all about Wednesday Adams. It's going to be about her going to a prep school and she's going to have to solve a murder. And I was like, why? Why is there a murder mystery in the middle of a Wednesday Adams show? Why does she have to be Veronica Mars? Having watched the whole show, are you happy with that choice? Do you feel like the the show needed that narrative spine in season one? Are you hoping that they move away from that sort of thing in season two? I... I will say the reason it's there is because this show actually doesn't care about the Adams family at all. Yeah. The Adams family is the most shoehorned part of it. Yeah. Like Wednesday is a character. Thing, thing, thing. Well, thing, thing is in there, but like there's an episode where Uncle Fester gets in there and it totally just like derails the season. I disagree. Fred Armisen is a delight as Uncle Fester. It's not that he's a bad delight. at it. It's just that it's so pointless. He just comes in and he's just, exposition mcgee like there's no reason for him to be there it's exposition jones first off uh but uh, <laughs> this is his irish cousin have yeah. respect <laughs> that's true that's true <laughs> uh yeah i mean like the, mur- the the murder mystery to me was like it, it's more about the lore of the school and like because they they position wednesday as a writer and she's writing like a kind of a mystery and so she's kind of like putting that into her book as well so it it plays for the character for sure but yeah the adam's family man if they cut all those scenes it would have been the same show (laughs) yeah josh is there anything else that you've been watching this month aside from wednesday yeah so other than wednesday um there's also another show on netflix that i wanted to plug um it's an anime um, it's a little bit different than some of the animes I usually watch because it's not a uh, action anime. It's a it's comedy, a uh, slice of life called Kami Can't Communicate or Komi Can't Communicate. Not sure if either of you've seen no. that or heard of that. Um, it's really cute. It's really wholesome. Uh, basically, the premise is there's a um, a high school girl who is um, suffering from like really severe social anxiety, and so she is afraid to like talk to any of her classmates. And then one of her classmates discovers that and he agrees to help her make friends with a hundred people um, while they're in school together. And so that's really, I mean, the, the gist of the story, like each episode roughly, um, she makes another friend or two with the help of her friend Tadano. And it's just really cute. Um, there's a lot of uh, like budding romance between them that's like predictable but very sweet um and even though there are moments when um it's definitely played for laughs it never feels like you're laughing at Comey because of her social anxiety it like it, it very much is a um i feel like a very empathetic view and portrayal of it and like each episode starts off with like a very um brief kind of intro about like what social anxiety is just to kind of like normalize it which i think is really great um and it also helps because 
the school, like everyone at the school has like their own stuff going on. Um, there's like very big personalities and I know it's, um, it came back for a second season, um, in, uh, summer of 2022. I don't know if it's supposed to come back for a third season or not. Um, it is based off of a, a graphic novel series or uh, a comic series in Japan. So it could come back, but, um, it was pretty popular, um, so I'm, you know, excited for the chance for it to come back. But if not, it ends on a pretty, pretty solid note. I actually did see the first episode of it because I just googled and I did a Google image search on it, and my friend, like my friend of mine, showed me the first episode a while ago. So, um, yeah, I definitely did see it. It's very interesting, and like it is very, it's very um, timely for for, mm-hmm. for sure. And you feel like it does a good, it's responsible telling of the uh, social anxiety condition in teenagers? I think so. I mean, I think it's, I mean, obviously, like, social anxiety can can vary so much between people. But in that this is someone who is, like, so petrified of social situations that she's still going to school, but she's not speaking to anyone. And that when Mm -hmm. she tries to speak, like, she has, like, a bit of a stutter and she's very quiet. Like, I've seen people like that i've worked with people like that so i feel like it is you know while some of it is played up um and obviously like it is still a tv show um but i i think it, it's done pretty respectfully overall cool and you watched both seasons that are available on netflix yes yeah i watched all um all the episodes that have been released so far very good. I have to say I'm a little bit disappointed to hear this because it means that I'm going to have to put my spec script in the trash called also called Comey Can't Communicate about the 2017 investigation by the FBI into uh, Donald Trump by <laughs> FBI Director James Comey. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> missed opportunities. How long were you holding on to that one as he was talking? <laughs> like the entire time he was talking. It was so in the chamber, <laughs> just ready to go. Uh, I... I just well done. Well done. Ah, you broke me again. Oh, yeah. We can end the podcast now because once I break Bill, then I feel like I accomplished my goal yeah. of the episode. But it beats it, like the cream rises to the top. <laughs> I, I, was gonna be that one. Uh, I heard one on your other guy's podcast about Wong spreading something. <laughs> oh, he spread right. his wings is what he did oh, that's not what i heard that's not what i heard either the other one that broke me recently was tyler on socially distance said if you watch home alone outside of the holiday season you're a pervert and i could not recover for days after that yeah literal days that was wisdom that we all needed to hear so thank you tyler mccarthy you can listen to his podcast not couple girls on the newly uh retitled uh pop break today podcast feed so check that out over there um in the meantime uh i'm gonna talk now <laughs> about the shows that i've been watching uh now the end of the year is were they all fun. sad or were they all uplifting i'm just hoping they were like uh, all comedies like real so good here's comedies. the thing Here's the thing. I spent most of December and early January catching up on the year in film. So I didn't watch a ton of TV shows. I finished up White Lotus, which ended while we were on kind of our quasi hiatus. And that ended really strong. I loved the second season even more than the first. Uh, But that's old news. I watched all of Dark 
all three seasons yes, of Dark, which is, uh, by definition, not light and upbeat. <laughs> no, uh, not at all. Really? Very German. Uh, <laughs> yes, but all three, but that is an incredible show that I'm so glad that, you know, it took me like five years yeah. uh, to decide to watch, but I'm so glad that I did. I also watched 1989, uh, rather, the follow-up series, not connected to Dark, but follow-up series uh, from those creators, which I liked much less, uh, and, and then it was canceled, canceled, so I can't say I'm not upset uh, about about. um but the show that the yellowstone show at first <laughs> that, that is yeah that's i think 1879 or something i think is or something yeah something like that and then there's 19 oh there's 1923 of course um yeah we got it we got a lot of year related titles of of tv shows because we we're really kind of trying to get at the very top of the alphabetical list order of our uh <laughs> tv guide remember tv guide um but anyway yeah. so that is all a uh, preamble to the show that really won my heart in December that I've been telling everybody I know uh, to watch. And I think no one likes it as much as I do because that would be impossible. Most people that I recommended it to are very happy to have watched it. And that is, of course, an FX show that is available on Hulu called Fleischman is in Trouble. It's Jesse Eisenberg, Lizzie Kaplan, Claire Danes, Adam Brody, and Tyler Hayward himself, Josh Stamberg, who plays another total douchebag, totally. much better than he played a douchebag in WandaVision, in my opinion. Uh, the, the show knows how to write a douchebag better, and I think he really rises to the to the level. His cream definitely rises all the way to the top of Douchebag Mountain uh, <laughs> on this show. But uh, yeah, basically, <laughs> it's. It's created by the author of the book that it was based off of, uh, named Taffy Brodessa Ackner, who also in her past life uh, was a magazine journalist who specialized in classy celebrity profiles. Uh, and yeah, the show's amazing. It's about middle age. It's about it's taking these characters, these actors who we all kind of watched grow up, and if you're in my case, grew up alongside. Uh, we're meeting them in middle age now uh, and seeing how dysfunctional their relationships are and how uh, difficult life is um, as as middle aged people. Specifically, Jesse Eisenberg plays a, uh, a recently divorced doctor living in uh, the Upper East Side of Manhattan, so his life financially isn't so tough, but uh, romantically and otherwise is kind of falling apart. His uh, former spouse Claire Danes uh, go drops the kids off one day, one morning unannounced and then goes missing uh, and. She she, they don't know what happened or why. Uh, and Jesse's character, Fleischman, Toby Fleischman, um, you know, we follow his journey through that along with meeting his friends, played by Lizzie Kaplan, who also narrates the story, um, and Adam Brody, who is kind of like a, a bit of a, like a, a himbo bachelor about town who has never quite settled down. Um, and along the way, we learn a lot of lessons about about marriage, about relationships, about how we are all the heroes of our own stories, but we should maybe not take our perspectives always as gospel. Um, it's really smart in terms of narrative construction, in terms of playing with perspectives. We really spend the first few episodes deep inside of Jesse Eisenberg's head, and eventually the story really opens up, and we get to see him from other people's perspectives and see that uh, maybe the story that he's been telling himself isn't quite as accurate as uh, we were led to believe early on. And uh, it features some of the best acting of Claire Dane's career, some of the best acting of Lizzie Kaplan's career. Uh, so really, really great stuff. And uh, it's only eight episodes. So I really recommend everybody check this out. It's really, really great. Are they like 
30-minute episodes or hour episodes? No, they're like a solid hour each episode, you know, like between like 48 and 58 minutes long um, with commercials. But it's it's worth the time. It really – it feels like when you consider the whole show uh, overall, I think a a fair complaint is that the book probably could have been adapted into a six-episode series instead of an eight-episode series, which is often the case. You know, we end up with one too many or one too few episodes along the way. But it has such a great style. It really has a uh, has a cinematic quality to the visual language of the of the show. Uh, it has such a if you like a very writerly sort of uh, narration and way of speaking, which I am a huge sucker for. It, there's a lot of that. Um, it really you can tell that it was based off of a book in a good way, unless you don't like stories based off of books, and then it's a <laughs> kind of distracting but it's really really good and the lizzie kathleen character kind of steals the show late in the series in a way that um is kind of uh foreshadowed early on but really pays off in a great way by the finale so i really recommend everybody checking it out it's funny it's sad it's it's insightful it's it's willing to engage with like really messy stuff but it is also a story about rich people in new york and their interpersonal problems and i know that can be alienating and annoying to certain people so if that is you then maybe stay clear but if you have an open heart and are willing to listen to the problems on the Upper East Side uh, <laughs> socialites, then check this out. Um, it really feels like kind of like a, it's like a smarter, more, uh, less gimmicky Woody Allen movie that we never got. You know, it's that kind of vibe. That's what the trailer gave me vibes of. It's like, hey, imagine if Woody Allen made a show. Here it goes. And well, we actually know what that would look like because he did that um, a, a crisis in six acts for Amazon. And that was, was starring Miley Cyrus and Elaine May. Uh, and that was awful. It's truly, truly terrible. God, <laughs> that even happened. Yeah, it's it's upsetting that I could just immediately remember all of those details so quickly. Uh, but Impressive. yeah, this is more like if Woody, if there, like if a woman was allowed to make a movie like Woody Allen got to for you know 40 years, um, she might make a movie a little bit like this. All right. So all right. now we are going to move on to what is usually our news break segment, which, as I said in our intro, we usually talk about one of the biggest stories to hit the the airwaves uh, in the world of TV, this last month has been either uh, nothing has happened or only bad news has happened, depending on the week you're checking in. (laughs) Uh, Lots of layoffs, lots of uh, shows getting canceled after having produced all of their episodes, the thing that is totally normal. Um, So we decided instead of talking about that, we were going to look forward uh, to the year that will be, where aside from a writer's strike that is imminent and could completely derail the entire industry uh there's a lot to look forward to in the world of tv in 2023 and we kind of narrowed it down to three shows each that we're going to talk about and bill i want to start with you and i want to ask if any of the three on your list are not disney plus originals uh yes okay so let's start with that one okay so i am very excited for the last of us which is going to be debuting uh the week this podcast drops uh, on Sunday on HBO, and it'll be streaming on HBO Max. I'm really excited for this. Now, um, the zombie genre or subgenre or whatever you say is, you know, on television and in popular culture has kind of been played out. It's gone the way of the pirates, you know what I mean? It's just like, ugh, really, we're doing this again. The Walking Dead did a great job of burning us all out. However, um, this one, this hits a little differently. It's based off a of video game. And that is always a red flag for everybody. It's like video game adaptation. Everyone's like, run for the hills. We all watched so many things that we regret. Um, But this one was so story driven. 
and captivated so many people. And I just remember our reviews originally were like how great the story was, how great the characters were. You're also it's also produced by the team that did Chernobyl. You also got Pedro Pascal is going to be in this. Melanie Linsky, um, Lady Mormont, uh, who also does a voice for a show two of my best friends help produce, uh, which always which always is good. Um, so and Nick Offerman is going to be in it as well. So this has got a great cast, and that translates to a, hey, a great cast is in a video an adaptation of a video game that was all about characters, and I that's really what's selling me on this. Like I shouldn't care because The Walking Dead desensitized me to zombies and probably most of America to zombies. But like, this feels like more of like a nice balance between the two. It's zombies and it's human conflict. And I think the two will balance way better than the walking dead would, because it's the people who did Chernobyl. And I didn't watch that series in its entirety, but what I did see of it, it was pretty great. And it really talked about the human drama and the human condition around a catastrophic event. So I'm just going to, you know, take a leap of faith and say they kind of know what they're doing. So I'm very, very excited to jump into this on Sunday. Yeah, that the screenwriter behind this is really, really talented. I watched all of Chernobyl. It was definitely in my contention for best of the year that it came out. It's really, really impressive, much better than you expect it to be. Um, Another great showcase for our guy, Stellan Sarsgaard, who me and Bill always want to ride for. Um, Ride or die, baby. Not in The Last of Us, but he totally could be um, if he wasn't so busy. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I like Bill, was less excited about this than most people when it came out, when it was announced, because, like, I don't ever care about zombies. Like, zombies are just not a thing that interests me as, like, a storytelling uh, like this format. And in addition to The Walking Dead, which flooded the zone on, on TV, we also got a lot of zombie movies post yeah, Dawn of the Dead and 28 Days Later, which came out, like, when I was in high school. We had, like, a solid, like, 15 years of, like, maybe this one's gonna hit big again, maybe this one. And it was just, like, I feel like we've told every zombie story you could possibly yeah. tell, including this game, which came out of that zeitgeist moment, you know? Yes, absolutely. But what I will say is I recently read an interview with the writer that we're talking about who said that he his plan is to only make two seasons of this show, that he is not trying to adapt it into a, an, a, a continuous, long-running series that he wants to do and adapt. And the first season is going to adapt the first game, second season is going to adapt the second game, and then they're going to be done. And that made me a lot more interested because I'm Same. always yeah. willing to give a creator that I respect the benefit of the doubt if they really feel like they have a specific story that they want to tell, as opposed to just we're opening up this world and and trying to tell stories inside of it. So that made me a lot more interested. And it's also the fact it's on HBO that's going to like it really gives it a little more cachet as well, because like if this was on a different platform, like no offense, if it was on Netflix or Prime or a Paramount Plus or something like that, I'd be like. This is probably just going to go for a Walking Dead vibe, like mass appeal type thing. Whereas I feel like HBO is like, whatever, we're just going to we're we're not TV, we're HBO. Essentially, (laughs) they just don't give a shit. They're like, we're going to do it the way we want to do it. And that's going to be not always the most mainstream acceptable thing. And then they do it like that, then it becomes totally mainstream and acceptable. So that's why I'm very and they let people be artistic and take chances. So that's why I'm, I'm more excited about this than. Um, if it was any, on any other platform. Yeah, if it was on Paramount Plus, it would star uh, it Jason be, Eccles instead yeah. of uh, oh, <laughs> instead of our guy, and it, and none of Taylor us would know it existed yet. Yeah. It would it would we would just be like, wait, what is that actually coming out this year? It would already came out in in December, and we missed it. That would we would if it was it was on. It Paramount would be Plus. and it'd be produced by Taylor Sheridan. 
Yes. Who is, yeah, who is just like, someone needs to, like, does he eat? I don't know. It just seems like all he does is, uh, is produce scripts to, to miniseries starring Oscar winners. Uh, <laughs> really well. <laughs> uh, okay, that's a great, that's a great first entry. Josh, I, I like that Bill started off with something that's not Disney Plus, and also it's a brand new show, not a show coming back. Now, we could talk about shows that are coming back. I'm saving that for a little bit later in this segment. Can you tell us a brand new show in 2023 that is not on Disney Plus that you are looking forward to? Oh, uh, that was not one of my top three, but I can. Okay, then can you tell us a brand new show that is on Disney Plus that you are looking forward to? <laughs> okay, because I don't have uh, an MCU podcast. I'll talk about it. Uh, <laughs> Secret Invasion. I yeah. am stoked for Secret Invasion. I loved the dynamic between uh, Sam Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn in Captain Marvel. And anytime you get the espionage side of the MCU, I am hooked. I love everything about um, Captain America uh, Winter Soldier. I love in uh, the first um, Black Panther, kind of like the James Bondage elements. I feel like the MCU has a good track record of spycraft, and I'm very hopeful that this will continue it. Um, also, just because it's got a really strong cast, um, just I can't believe they were able to convince Olivia Coleman to get into our Marvel TV show. <laughs> that just is hot bonkers. zone, Olivia <laughs> Coleman. I can't wait. She's cashing her post-Oscar paychecks, and we love to see it. Yeah. You know what? So happy for her. And, <laughs> I mean, Amelia Clark, I can expect that yeah. she was bound to be in a Marvel project at some point. Um, still, super excited for that as well. Um, and it just, the the tone of it seems like it's going to be very similar to Winter Soldier, which is exactly what I want from this kind of. Um, feel like a, like a paranoid mystery, kind of looking over your shoulder. And... As, as someone who loved Captain Marvel um, and, once again, loved everything they've done with, like, the spy side of the MCU, I think this is going to be a really strong output. Um, and that's not to say that I'm, I'm not also interested in the other MCU shows coming out this year. I am. Um, but this one's the first one, so it kind of gets my attention more. Bill, did this make your list of your three? Yeah, I mean... I, I was kind of I was I was making like a, I made like two lists like one that's like the non Josh picks and then like <laughs> so just in case Josh didn't pick this one I'm like okay, all right, I go with this one I got other ones but what I'm hoping for Secret Invasion yes this is uh, definitely one of the top ones I'm looking forward to and I would definitely be doing it on socially distance every yeah. week probably is I'm hoping this is kind of like this is a weird comparison but I think this is Marvel's Andor where it's more serious and it kind of takes you out of lore and legend a little bit. And it just, it's its own thing. I know that's probably not going to be as uh, true because it's like, well, I mean, it's like scrolls and it's going to advance a whole bunch of stuff. And, you know, Don Cheadle is going to be in it and that's going to lead to armor wars. And, you know, um, the other guy who was roadie is going to come back and he's a scroll and stuff like that. And <laughs> Terrence Howard, I always forget. Tony! <laughs> That's how I know him. And uh, but you know, I'm ex I just hoping it's just a different vibe. That's what I'm hoping. I like like yeah. Andor was in Star Wars. That's what I'm really hoping for in Secret. Well, that's what the I trailer think we're is promising us. I think we're yeah. Gonna like, I think that there's going to be less quips, you know, I think it's going to be a little bit drier, I think it's going to 
be more tense. I'm I'm looking forward to it as well. It is also on my list. Uh, I have to yeah. admit. We've um, talked I'm about not. It, so I yeah, <laughs> I, like you know, if you listened to our D23 uh, and our Comic Con episodes for Phil versus the MCU, you know this is one of our most anticipated uh, new projects out there for that reason because it's a little bit something different and also like Josh said because it has such a great cast, in addition to Olivia Coleman and Amelia Clark and Samuel Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn, and you also have Martin Freeman coming back. You have you know as you said Don Cheadle coming back you have kingsley benadir who's an actor yeah, that i really man. like he's being positioned as kind of the villain of the piece although with this sort of thing who knows uh but you might know him from one night in miami when he played malcolm x you might also know him from the short-lived zoe uh kravitz high fidelity where he played the primary love interest on that show which i think uh, we reviewed in season one of this we did. i believe i believe we did yeah and we mourned its loss whenever that happened yeah, <laughs> but uh right after that happened <laughs> But yeah, I'm really excited about it. I think it has a lot of really, it has a lot of potential. I'm trying to keep, uh, like, you know, expectations modest because yeah. with MCU stuff, you just never, that's always a good thing. You always want to be pleasantly surprised as opposed to, you know, let down. So, but I, it's going to be hard for me not to be too excited about this. And it's, and it's notable because like this was a storyline that people thought would be, you know, uh, the, the, uh, an ep- uh, installment of the Avengers. People thought that it could be kind of like an overarching phase long arc. And instead they're putting it into a, you know, Nick Fury uh, spinoff series for Disney plus. So it could be opening up a Pandora's box of story potential for the wider uh, MCU. Uh, or it could be, you know, just a really taut self-contained spy story. So I'm really excited uh, to see how they go. Well, jo- well, Alex, I feel like you are not going to have a problem picking a show that isn't just on Disney Plus. Or, <laughs> so what is one of your most, uh, you know, what, the one you're excited for? Okay, so I'm going to go with my most excited, the thing I'm most excited for that is uh, a new series, a mini series that's coming uh, later on this year. Hasn't been dated yet, but it's expected sometime later this year. It's called Class of 09. Uh, it's for yeah, FX producing it for Hulu. It is... I like the cast alone. It's Brian Tyree Henry, who I will see in anything. He is fantastic. If you have an Apple TV Plus subscription, you should watch Causeway, which is a movie that he just made with Jennifer Lawrence. Really excellent. Josh, you would really like it. Bill, you would really like it. Uh, and listeners, I don't know. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. <laughs> I think he, he looks like he's going to lock up a Best Supporting Actor nomination, or he's at least in the conversation. Well, you'll have to listen to uh, the Way Too Early Oscar podcast to find out mm. what his uh, prospects look like uh, over there. But in the meantime, we can talk about his potential Emmy nomination uh, this time next year, uh, or, well, I guess rather uh, in about nine months or so, or possibly in a year and a half depending on when this show actually comes out. It's because Emmy eligibility is weird. Um, But in any case, Brian Terry Henry and Kate Mara play FBI agents who are reunited uh, after the death of a friend from their Quantico class, which if you don't know, Quantico is like the quote-unquote college that people from the FBI uh, attend. Uh, It is set in the near future where AI assistants uh, help solve crimes. Uh, And it is from Tom Rob Smith, who you might know as a creator of London Spy, which is a really good British yeah, spy yeah. series from with, with um, um, Ben Wishaw uh, from a number of years ago. And also he was the person behind the American crime story season, The Assassination of Gianna Versace, which was 
really, really interesting narrative experiment for that show. Uh, this show also uh, will co-star uh, Raul Castile, who you might know from Looking, uh, Brian J. Smith, who you might know from Sense8, and it features uh, directors such as Stephen Canals, who uh, was the creator of Pose, and Joe Robert Cole, who is the co-writer of Black Panther. So really, really cool pedigree uh, behind the camera, in front of the camera. And it seems like, you know, I just spent 15 minutes talking about a great FX on Hulu miniseries uh, from this year. So, you know, uh, I think that Class of 09 could be in that contention uh, one year from now. They don't really, they're not missing too much these days, FX on Hulu with the miniseries. FX does not miss. When they when they put out miniseries, especially when they put their weight behind a project, it is very rare that you come up feeling uh, underwhelmed or disappointed. And, uh, you know, it's, it's basically the, you know, probably the second most important prestige brand on television these days, FX, second only behind HBO. I can't really think of anything else that has the same cachet uh, beyond those two. There was a moment where Netflix was kind of nipping at FX's heels, but, yeah. you know, they have kind of fallen into a whole other situation like the one we'll talk about a little bit later <laughs> but uh so yeah i think you know fx means quality where i'm concerned for some people it means the movies but for me <laughs> it just means quality uh josh what about you is there another show we talked about secret invasion on your list what's another show on your list uh, i'm glad you made that joke because that was that was there and i and if right, you was, didn't i had right to. there it's right there <laughs> um well i i'm gonna probably steal another one of bills here uh, because I have to talk about the sweet baby boy, the sweet return of Grogu, boy. The Mandalorian season three. I am so excited. And you know what? Let's just get more Pedro Pascal on this podcast. You can never have too much Pedro Pascal. That's a fact. Um, true. So excited. Um, I feel like last year after we had the uh, half season that we got out of Book of Boba Fett, <laughs> I really just wanted to see more of that because Wow, that show was rough, but boy, was it good when we got to see Mando and Grogu. So, During the Mando takeover. Yes. It was, that's, it's so sad that that show was best part was another show within it. It's like now on. we are currently in uh, Bad Batch season, which, as Bill, you know, lasts about approximately nine months. Yeah, uh, it'll be over in September. <laughs> curious if you guys think that maybe there will be a Mando takeover of the Bad Batch inexplicably at some point to make people watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, there should be at this point. They've they've hinted around at uh, Boba Fett, so you never know. Yeah, that's what we need more of. Um, but yeah, the Mandalorian topping a lot of people's lists of most anticipated yeah. shows of 2023. Josh, that's a very good call. Um, curious though that you didn't choose, you know, some of the other fresher shows that uh, uh, Disney is promising to give out Star Wars, uh, especially you know we got Ahsoka and we got Skeleton. So, which I always want to call Skeleton Key, um, but that is a different thing entirely. That was a scary movie that I watched uh, when I was in high school, and it's probably not that scary now. Um, but uh, I, I was also thinking New of, Orleans. <laughs> I was thinking of the Skulls starring Josh Jackson. That's what I thought sure. Skeleton Key sure. was. <laughs> Yeah, Skeleton Crew, starring Jude Law, also coming later this year. But, uh, Bill, did you decide to include a special Star Wars entry onto your list of most anticipated? Well, I was, um, I'm going to actually go with something else before I go to Star Wars that actually we're going to probably be talking about next month, and that's the Ryan Johnson series Poker Face. I um, have, okay, I'm just going to get this out right now so everyone can just chide me. I have not seen Knives Out. As we record this, I have DVR'd it off TNT. 
Yes, that is a very old man <laughs> statement to make. I was already talked about the, about this on my other yeah. podcast. This uh, I gotta get it. I gotta find it somehow. It's it's not available anywhere except to rent. Like Netflix yeah. paid a quarter of a billion dollars for this series. It's like no, we do, but we don't want the rights to the original film. So so Bill, you've said this on all of your podcasts. I know. And I, I don't care. You. Let me let me be irrationally. <laughs> angry about it just let me have it alex i know there's a reason it's not there i so know it there's is... contracts i know there's things but i don't fucking care it, and it's it, so it, stupid it is currently uh, if you would believe it in the top 10 for most watched netflix english language films uh for the last two weeks in a row because it's available in all of the rest of the world except for the u.s and canada cool um where is it here <laughs> it had previously been on Netflix. It was on Netflix earlier this year, yeah, uh, but I believe the specifics of the arrangement that they made with Lionsgate, uh, it's allowed to be off, I think, specifically so people will, in anticipation of The Glass Onion, rent the original and give Lionsgate more money. They don't put it on TNT. Well, they're old, they're making money off of like that me. through commercials and stuff. Yes. So <laughs> I know, but it's just stupid. It's all uh, about monetization. But yeah, it is currently in one of the most uh, watched films on Netflix. Even though Bill has been complaining that it is not on Netflix, that <laughs> it's just not available to him. But there is such a thing called a VPN that would let you watch it yeah, uh, for and, free. Like, oh, let you, me let me put that so. into my busy schedule. Just downloading <laughs> shit and you know getting arrested. Great. Cool. Uh, anyway. Not saying you should, but if you just happen to take a trip Listen, to Thailand we, in we the near future, you'd be able to watch. I barely could afford, afford to go down the street. So, um, listen, we here at, so, uh, at thepopbreak.com <laughs> do not endorse VPNs. No, we endorse a having an active vacation schedule in various uh, locations around Listen, the world. I'm going to Paris this year. It'll be fun. <laughs> anyway, not the point. So, I have not seen. Knives Out. I have not seen Glass Onion yet because obviously I didn't watch Knives Out. But I've seen every other thing Ryan Johnson has done. And I love Ryan Johnson. I love when he does capers. I love when he does whodunits. I love Brick. If you haven't seen The Brothers Bloom, it's a lot of fun. Um, bang, but, bang. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I love it. That's a and character in It Brothers is, Bloom. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's no, nobody else does because that is his most obscure entry, I think, probably. <laughs> I know. But it's great it, and people should I watch always, it. Yeah, it's, it's a really fun <laughs> film. Um, and so I'm very excited to see him do television. I'm excited to see him do this kind of, you know, very pulpy, you know, heisty type thing. And, you know, we got um, Natasha Leone, Adrian Brody. That's the only two I can remember off the top of my head. I'm sure. Bar, I believe, is uh, appearing in one of the episodes. <laughs> All right. That's just my, mind. A... my mind just broke a little bit there. But <laughs> it's 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 looking like we're going to talk about this next month. But I'm very excited because seeing Ryan Johnson go to, you know, television slash streaming is really cool and it's like one of the first times like something's gone to peacock that isn't a movie that i've actually cared about like they've launched so many shows off there i just don't even shows we reviewed on this podcast i just don't care there's been nothing that has been like hey bill this is made for you this is made for me and this is definitely on my top uh to watch for 2023 now, Ryan Johnson famously, at least in my in in my corners of the internet, he a famous Columbo fan and has uh, yes. along with Natasha Leone, who is also a famous Columbo fan, and they have expressly stated that the Columbo is a huge influence on them and one of the reasons why they're doing this as a sort of case of the week sort of mystery series instead of a, you know, serialized story. Uh are you a Columbo fan? I mean, I've 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 dabbled, but I've also dabbled in the procedural, you know, whether it was the Rockford Files, 
or, or, you know, I, my wife is uh, famous for watching law and order all the time. So like, I'm very, I, I am very open to a case of the week type, uh, type of deal. So this is going to be a lot of fun and I'm, I'm now, really looking forward to it. We're going to move on to the next pick, but just one more thing, Josh, uh, that's a Columbo reference. Uh, <laughs> are you a fan one of Columbo? One more thing, Josh. I don't think I've ever seen a single episode. Change your life. You know what? I believe Columbo uh, reruns are available to watch on Peacock. So you can, uh, while you're waiting for There's like 20 uh, years books. worth of, sh- of episodes, you can watch. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited. But in the meantime, uh, Josh, uh, what else is on your list of things that you're excited about? We have okay. Secret Invasion. We have Mandalorian season three. What else? Okay. And then I I think I'm pretty safe in saying this will not be on Bill's list. So I'm not gonna. Uh, read off his test again um but Point break the series now just kidding uh, no. <laughs> well first off make up for that bullshit movie from a few years ago <laughs> let me ri- i'll write it you know what i'm gonna write it <laughs> yeah so tune in next month for uh bill's version of point break the the movie sequel um no i am really excited for uh demon slayer's third season so uh that is another anime so uh i know i'm the most uh anime um watcher of the three of us you gotta so, get two on blur watchers one day because they have anime segments all the time you'd fit right in <laughs> it's like I, every, I'd be join every show you talk about they have a segment on yeah <laughs> i'd be happy to join them yeah um and they're also welcome to join Aaron and, and i for our podcast just, they're in philly just like you okay well there you go but um yeah yeah uh, I, I don't Demon slayer the premiere of demon slayer which i'm sure they're going to be excited about what service is this on so that is not clear yet. Um, so the <laughs> okay. first, so it, it's going to definitely be coming out in Japan, and then it's probably going to come out on Crunchyroll. Okay. However, that hasn't been announced yet. Um, the first season um, is on uh, Crunchyroll and Netflix, yeah. and then the second season is exclusively on Crunchyroll. So it's probably going to get picked up by them, but it hasn't been officially announced. However, there's also going to be a, a special movie, um, one hour movie that takes um, the last two episodes of season two and the first episodes of season three and jam it together um, into one big special. And I believe that's going to have um, probably a limited release in theaters as well. So yes. there's there's yes. big anticipation. This is probably one of the biggest um, yeah. anime out there right now. And um just the last season just was so good so emotional the animation is ridiculously good i am so excited i just need them to announce when i can actually watch it but typically <laughs> so angry saying that. well typically they do it on crunchyroll they do it like day of release in japan um okay so um as long as you're listening to the uh um the sub you're watching the sub not the dub which um, is the only way to do it. If you're oh, of course, to do it. of course. Oh, so. Josh. So just so just for clarification for people, that HBO Max has that Crunchyroll hub, totally different from the Crunchyroll subscription service. Totally different. Okay. Yeah, Crunchyroll so. owns subscription service that is actually a combination. Now Crunchyroll and uh, Funimation had their own streaming service, but they right. they merged last year. Okay. So hopefully that'll be out um, day and date because. I know the frustration when a show is airing overseas and it's 
not airing day and date on that streamer because that means that instead of getting to watch it a couple hours after everybody else, you have to watch it wait like six months and that sucks. So or like, that's not what you're that, dealing like, with. Knives Out is on Netflix, but the, not the goddamn United States. You know, yes. stuff like that. You know, sons of bitches. No wonder you're going under. What? <laughs> so. Right. So I'm going to talk next. Um, Secret Invasion was my was one of my choices. I've talked about Class of 09. My last choice is a returning show, The Other Two, HBO Max, inexplicably surviving uh, yeah, against I all odds. Yeah, I thought it was canceled. I honestly thought they canceled this show. I would have, I'm, I'm really shocked. I think part of it is because it is produced by a different uh, different network. It is a Paramount Studios, well, a Comedy Central under the Paramount umbrella uh, is, is the producer of the show. But then again, that didn't help Minx at all, which was a, a legendary series that um, <laughs> got canceled anyway. So really, really against all odds on HBO Max. Uh, it's coming back. We don't know exactly when, but we do know that it's been filming and, and uh, it's been filming around New York City all December. In, in January, so it's very exciting. I can't wait. Everyone who listens to this podcast knows it's one of my favorite shows. I don't need to get into why or how because it just is, and I'll be talking about it a lot once it comes back. And I'm just so glad that it was spared um, because so many shows like it were not over on HBO by Mr. Zaslov. So thank you, Mr. Zaslov. Um, I won't say anything bad about you as long as you keep the other two on the air. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I said, I'm shocked. I thought it. You guys, you guys. I think 2023 is the year that you're both gonna have to watch um, the other two because okay. when that when that show premieres, I might just dedicate the entire episode to the other two. We'll just break it down season by season and talk about why it's so fantastic. <laughs> yeah, you can make a podcast around it could be called uh, Bill versus the Other Two. <laughs> wow, that's. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Implications. I don't know if I like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I'll close mine out. Uh, I don't think I got to my third one. Is I'm. It is actually. I will go to Disney Plus. Although I will give an honorable mention to the second season, which I'm also surprised this got a second season. Our flag means death. Season two. I am looking forward to that. I'm very surprised they got a second season. Well, that's uh, Taika Waititi, and he's a very yeah, marketable brand. I, I know. Believe but like, when HBO when it was airing on HBO Max, it was the biggest show on HBO Max for like several months. So I think that it had if anything was going to be safe, that it, was going to be it. It definitely had the after the finale, a lot of people got into it type deal. I feel, but yeah. uh, for me, it's going to be Ahsoka. So I'm going to go to Disney Plus for this one. I haven't seen any trailers for this one yet, but uh, based off her appearance in, in The Mandalorian Season 2 and Season 2.5, uh, Rosario Dawson is awesome. I can't wait. To, and this we're going to see, like, kind of go more into the books and the video games and the animated series. We're not going to stick in the movies. And this is where uh, my co-host on Socially Distance, Amanda, is really going to – this is her time to shine. Um and it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun to see what new characters they bring in it because like the potential I've heard from many in the no Star Wars people is like this is gonna be like kind of the new direction for a lot of Star Wars. So I'm very excited to see where that's gonna take us because I'm gonna be honest, I feel like outside of Mando, like we've kind of we've tapped all the Skywalker stuff, guys. Like we've mined it for everything we can. So let's let's go someplace new because there's decades worth of written material video game content and other content that they can pull from and that is equally exciting so that's what i'm looking for. yeah and now that bob Iger is back in charge at disney i can't right. imagine they're gonna wait too long before they put out a star wars movie uh the rumor is oh. that the one that damon lindelof is working on is the one that is going to be first out the gate and that is going to be completely 
outside of the Star Wars saga as we know it and mm. with the original characters and unrelated to the Skywalkers and all that. So I think that if you want to continue that story that we've been seeing, you're going to be doing it on Disney Plus with a show like Ahsoka. Um, and because, you know, and I think that that's a great choice because it gives you that nice pivot point of like we she's a character that is very enmeshed in the Skywalker story, but is very yes. much her own character and can just kind of like jump off and move into a, a fun space where we get to hopefully fans of Star Wars Rebels know Ezra is out there. We need to find him. We need to find the space whales. Now, I will tell you, you know, uh, Avatar Way of Water came out this December and put you out a whole it. new space whale uh, in our and totally, totally overthrew the Star Wars space whale supremacy. So um, um, really, it's going to it's gonna be very interesting to see if Ahsoka dives into that debate um, in, in 2023. We're going to find out. Listen, then we got like seven more Avatar movies that got greenlit, so maybe one will just be all whales. And listen, I mean, they are composers of brilliant songs. They are nonviolent. They have deep emotional relationships with their families and with their communities and they're amazing and we love them and i'm not gonna have anyone say anything bad about them on this podcast sounds good sounds like Mike, uh, <laughs> michael g and chino as a as a whale <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what that means bill but well, unfortunately we have to leave it there he loves his family he directed <laughs> a marvel thing so come on <laughs> We're going to have to leave it there because now it is time for us to check in on The Streaming Wars, our monthly segment where we decide who is up and who is down in the world of streaming based on news, views, and reviews. 2022 was a real roller coaster ride for all the streamers to various degrees. Who do you think closed out the year on the strongest note? Josh? Okay, so I know we spent a lot of time ragging on it and in our last podcast talked about how um, it's... Uh, some of its choices were probably going to be rough this year, but I'm going to give it to Netflix because one Wednesday really was like the talk of the the fall and the beginning of winter. It was everywhere. It was it was the show to watch. Um, on top of that, Netflix, even though they don't have Knives Out, as as Bill is happy to remind us. Um. In America and Canada, but in the rest of the world, they Last do. Last time I checked, I don't live in the rest of the world, guys. I yeah. live in the United States. One time I'm going to pull that bullshit yeah. card. Yeah. I live in America. Just a little asterisk there next to So even though they, you, Bill can't watch Knives Out, Glass Onion, they I have... I'm tonight, guys. I'm going to watch it. They have advertised it so much, and it has done well, at least critically. I, I don't know how we can quantify... You know, it did well views too. I've got I've got numbers if you want to hear them later. Okay. So <laughs> that's well box office too. For the one week that it was yeah. in theaters, yeah. Yeah. And so those are probably the the biggest two. But in addition, there was also a few other ones that, uh, while not as big heavy hitters, um, Emily in Paris came back for a season yep. three. That is a somewhat popular show, so that's something. Um, and also. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that is the exact right way to describe Emily Paris. That's something. Uh, sorry, no, no disrespect towards the people who were oh, behind that show. Disrespect. Yeah, I think they know what's going on on that show. Fair, <laughs> they, fair. The checks have been cashed, Josh. Yeah. They're okay with it. Well, speaking of the the checks being cast, there's also that '90s show coming out this month, mm, which is yeah. uh yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, definitely um, a good paycheck for a few people. But, uh, Get that money, Deborah Joe Rupp. You know what? Good for her. She's gonna be in Covenant Chaos. 
Is yeah. she, is she confirmed for that? I saw it on Twitter. I mean, it could be okay. live. Who knows? <laughs> no, if it was on Twitter, it's definitely true, Bill. I don't know what you mean. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so those are just a few other side ones, but really Wednesday and Glass Onion, I think, sealed it for Netflix. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go next, Josh, because I want to back you up on this, because I went with Netflix as well. Uh, Wednesday, huge smash. I don't know if you realize just how big of a smash. It is the most watched English language series ever, beating Stranger Things record that was set earlier this year. Uh, they weren't second, happy about that, by the way. <laughs> they were it's, second only, it's second only to Squid Game in terms of popularity on the network. Uh, we also have Glass Onion, you mentioned. Uh, that is the most watched 2022 release after one week, uh, with 55 million views, uh, which is uh, very impressive. And Knives Out, as I said, Bill, uh, was number three on the English language movie list, even without being available in U.S. Canada. So the fact that in the uh, that it was able to be that high without having uh, access on in U.S. and Canada uh, region is really impressive. Um, in addition to those that you mentioned, um, there's also Pinocchio, Guillermo del Toro's yes. Pinocchio, yes. which debuted over the holidays and I think was one of the big holiday movies on streaming for the holidays. And it's getting a huge amount of positive press when it comes to awards. Of the three Pinocchio films that came out last year, it was the best, apparently. It well, it was. It actually was. I mean, well, you know well, what? I haven't low. seen the Polly Shore one, so I can't say for sure, but I feel like I have a pretty good guess uh, that the Guillermo del Toro one is better. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the, the less... That's for real, and the less we talk about it, the better. <laughs> uh, yeah, that feels like a socially distanced topic uh, for you guys. <laughs> It sounds like a topic I would have talked about when I was drunk, and I don't want to talk about <laughs> But yeah, for some reason, we cannot get away from Pinocchio movies. Um, of course, there was an Italian one that was made a couple years ago that was also nominated for an Oscar. But this one I watched, and it is very good. And it's like the odds-on favorite for best animated feature at the Oscars. It's been making a lot of top ten lists. It's been getting a lot of critics' prize. All of that stuff is really good for Netflix because they are having a uh, notably lacking awards season uh, this year. All of their big awards bets have have really uh, failed to deliver for them. So the fact Even that the, Pinocchio uh, is kind of bringing Noah it up Bombach is one? Yeah, Did White drop? Noise dropped and was kind of a dud. Um, hmm. So was uh, uh, the Alexander Inuritu movie, which was Bardo. supposed to be yeah Bardo, which was supposed to be their big play that also bombed uh with the awards voters and critics and i don't think many people watch so yeah there's a lot of they had a lot of swings and misses this year in the awards race but you know they're hoping for a glass onion uh screenplay nomination and they're dave very Batista. very bullish on uh pinocchio yes <laughs> dave batista is not getting an oscar nomination <laughs> bill <laughs> You might get an MTV uh, movie award nomination, but I don't think he's getting an Oscar nomination. <laughs> no disrespect. <laughs> um, in addition to all those things, though, there's also this little movie called Bullet Train, which yeah, in uh, the Netflix geez. English language top 10 film list, it ran the table for five weeks in a row at, in the top 10, despite only being available in the U.S. and Southeast Asia. So for the whole rest of the English-speaking world, not available, and yet it was managed to be in the top 10 for five straight weeks. So a movie that did okay business in the box yeah. office just absolutely dominated for Netflix. There's also a movie that you guys might not know about. It's called Troll. 
it is yeah, a global know. sensation. Yeah. Uh, it really just like it also ran the table for literally like Winks on Winks on Winks as being the one of the top uh, movies of uh, of the year on Netflix, which is really impressive uh, since it's a movie that is like no, it's a foreign language film without any original without any you know previously existing IP. Just yeah. it's about a troll, which I guess you know we all love trolls, so good <laughs> for them. Um, but yeah, very impressive. And then on top of all that, right. Uh, at, right before the new year, uh, we learned that Chris Rock is doing a live streaming yep. special for Netflix on March 4th, where he will be featuring material around the aforementioned slap. No, not the uh, series that was on NBC with that Uma Thurman back shit. in the early 2000s. <laughs> what a piece <laughs> of shit. Is... <laughs> Fuck that show. So stupid. <laughs> Not that Joe. Uh, I'm dying now. Um, <laughs> is, I mean, come on, it wasn't good. It, it was called, terrible. Of course, it was so bad. It was like, what would you do if uh, if uh, your neighbor slapped your child? Imagine oh, what would happen. Oh, you wrote. Now you remember the show, Josh. <laughs> yes. was so it's like, not that slap. <laughs> it's not that slap. It's of course the slap where Will Smith slapped him on the Oscar stage last year. So right, or power pretty much like that, right that, before yeah, the Oscars. Right telecasts uh this year uh chris rock is gonna be taking the stage live on netflix to talk about it so that's a huge december for uh for a, a streamer that got a lot of bad press for most of the year but it is also the only streamer that is actually profitable the only streamer that's making money the only streamer that's able to mint uh hits on their own and uh they showed over and over again that they could do that in december so that's why they got my pick and why they got josh's pick bill did they get your pick I'm going to go against all conventional reason uh, because I'm going to pick a streamer that I think did not even get uh, a vote last year that I feel like this is the only time I can mention them this year as doing anything positive. Pluto uh, TV. Neither, you know, uh, <laughs> that's that's going to be and your guys are going to hate me for it, but it's Paramount Plus And here's why Paramount Plus uh, was the home of one of the top movies of 2022 as well as one of the top movies of all time in Top Gun Maverick. Um, that's the only place you can see it outside of VOD. Uh, they also ran a crazy sale on their on their subscriptions um, and uh, crashed the entire site because so many people signed up. And I, I was one of those people, and it's re- it was a pretty good deal. Um, they also what was the, the deal. It was like fifty percent off for the year, so yeah. I'm paying like four dollars a month. Um, and there are um, <clears throat> excuse me. They're getting MTV's Challenge back, which is a huge cable uh, sensation, as well as a big streaming sensation. They de- debuted Taylor Sheridan's 55th show in the span of three months, uh, 1923, starring Harrison Ford and Her- Helen Mirren, which had a which had like 7.4 million viewers. Of course, that's a and a lion. Fun. I heard there was also a lion on the season premiere of 1923. Speaking of lions, they just announced Nicole Kidman is going to be the star of their new series, <laughs> Lioness. Um, and, um, they still have the NFL and, um, oh, there was one other thing I totally forgot. Um, and they're the home of one of the big successful horror movies of the year, Smile. It's the only place you can find it on streaming right now. So to me, I feel like this is one of the few times you could really put Paramount Plus on a, hey, they did really good this month. I know Netflix did all these things, but I feel like for Paramount Plus, this was their banner month since they've launched. Because now they actually have properties people want to watch. People love Top Gun. 
It's the only place they're going to find it, so people are going to run and find that. Even if they sub for a month, it's still a win for them. 1923 is doing well, despite Yellowstone, the flagship show, getting really crapped on for their fifth season. They have a lot going on. They have that Jeremy Renner show, uh, King of the City, which is also coming back. Tulsa King, which Sylvester Stallone got uh, did really well for Mayor them. Mayor of Kingstown is the Jeremy Renner show. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and then Tulsa King is the Sylvester Stallone show, which is also airing right now. Yeah, it was re- and it just got renewed for season two, and it's done very well for them. And, of course, with NFL playoffs on, um, people are going to tune in for that as well. So that's why I'm going to give it a Paramount Plus, because for them, this was their banner month, even though Netflix did great business. Paramount Plus, this is probably the high point. <laughs> One could say that they finally climbed climb the, the mountain climb of to the, the content. They really, and they really were peaked, right? Just they were <laughs> there just peaked. long enough to they were there just long enough to get uh, flyby by uh, by Mr. Maverick himself, and that's so nice. The for mountain, them. the mountain. I, I would, is the best part. I would argue. I think you made a very good case. What I would argue is that um, they actually let. Uh, Tom Cruise hijacked their streaming uh, strategy uh, so that way Maverick could make as much money as humanly possible in theaters, which was good for the movie, uh, but bad for Paramount Plus because it means pretty much everyone who had any interest in seeing that movie has definitely seen it by now, except for Bill Bodkin. (laughs) Ask everyone who I know who... I I won't begin to tell you the list of people who I know have seen this movie here, like, can I get your your login and password so I can watch Maverick again? That's a (laughs) lot of people who may be hosting podcasts with me on every drop every Friday. Um, <clears throat> Not a surprise, but like I feel like that was that was a big one, and I, I don't know. I feel like oh, you're also right. the Mission Impossible movies will be will probably that's the home for the Mission Impossible movies as well. Like maybe this summer they'll get a little bit of a bump. But yeah, it's true. It was a very 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 good month for Paramount Plus relative to the other months uh, for Paramount. Plus. <laughs> to the rest of their existence, yes. <laughs> Um, okay, well, that's going to do it for the streaming wars. Now we're going to move on to our new series, Spotlight. We were running a little bit long, so sadly, guys, we're not going to get talked oh, no. about this episode of TV <laughs> that we watched. Um, it is uh, going to be, as we said before, The Witcher Blood Origin, which I is... I can't the, believe you picked this, by the way. <laughs> the first of what Netflix hopes will be many entries into oh. the expanded Witcher universe. Uh, the series was created by Declan Debara and Lauren Schmidt. Hesherch, who I apologize for mispronouncing their name, I am certain. Uh, And uh, they're two veterans of network and genre TV. Uh, And it stars, among other people, Michelle Yao, who is uh, on her way to a uh, Best Actress nomination for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Minnie Driver, who is our uh, narrator, Um, and many people that I don't know, uh, because I've never seen them before. Uh, Um, Joey Joey Beatty, who was in the Witcher series, is in the beginning of it. So yeah, you guys are going to have to explain the beginning of this. But anyway, it, this series takes place 2,000 years before the events of The Witcher, except for maybe the opening sequence for some reason, uh, which seems to take place outside of time and space, I guess. I don't know. Um, and it tells the events of the... Oh, it tells the tale of the very first Witcher and the ancient elven civilization before their inevitable demise. So... Uh, you ask, why did we pick this? Uh, very yeah. surprising. This was Netflix's big Christmas Day release for television. 
uh, came out Christmas Day. It is a four-part miniseries, expand, a huge ex- expansion of their brand that they're really hoping is going to be a major franchise for them moving forward. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the, it turns out end of December was not a great uh, time for new releases of new shows, and that is the criteria of this segment. So that's why we went with this one. And I will say, I know that Josh and Bill have varying opinions and experiences with The Witcher. I never watched The Witcher, uh, so I was deeply confused by the way this show starts. Uh, but uh, willing to go the along only with it. One. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Josh, you are the keeper of the the tomes and histories, uh, like Mini Driver. Um, so, I would like you to explain to us what the fuck is happening on this show. <laughs> any good? <laughs> Um, nothing good. No, I I don't understand. Yes, I do understand, actually. So the whole framing narrative with Mini Driver and Yaskier is so stupid. Um, it basically, it's just shoehorning in uh, one of the um, side characters from The Witcher just so that he can have some connective tissue with the main show. And there, that's all you need to know. It's, it's is this like a fan lazy. favorite character, and yeah. that's why he had to tag he's along? The, he's the guy who sings the song, Throw a Coin to Your Witcher, like that people yeah. theme like, song. talk about. Yes. Yeah. Okay. He sings the theme song. Yes. So this is like on Ally McBeal when Vonda Shepard gets to like hang out with the crew. On Interviewed on the popbreak.com. Vonda <laughs> <laughs> Shepard. Uh, but yeah, the, the framing narrative is stupid. There's no need to worry about it. It is just... Netflix being Netflix, unfortunately, and and they're in the worst way, um, not in the positive way we just talked about. Um, uh, unlike the rest of this show, which is deeply exciting and engaging and definitely demanding of our attention. Uh-huh. Well, you know, <laughs> if if they want that for this, then I've got two words for them, and it's Liam Hemsworth. Uh, because <laughs> you're like, suck it. That went, <laughs> that went to a place. <laughs> um, so my problem with this is like I, I didn't finish season two of Witcher yet, but season one. Is like, it's kind of like someone makes an idea of they buy a a movie franchise for like a quarter billion dollars and then don't put it on their streaming, the first movie on their streaming platform. It makes no sense. And that's, I'm talking about Nice Out. It's a reference to that. It was on the streaming service (laughs) earlier this year. I don't care. It should be on there now. (laughs) But this is, so the first season of The Witcher is basically like, Josh, you've seen the first season, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like 13 episodes. It's so fucking long. And it moves at a glacial pace. And then it's basically all set up to, like, the final minute of it. And then it's like, oh, well, this is what the show is about. So it's ironic that a whole season, which was essentially a prequel, now we have now we have another prequel. So it's even more history. It's just like, dude, you gave me 13 fucking episodes of prequel. I don't need four with less interesting characters. This is like, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> it's so stupid. It's like... It's not even, and this is the problem with high fantasy. I'm just taking it over. I'm sorry. This show pisses me off. It's just like, there's so much high fantasy out there that it's literally doing the same thing. It's just like, and they even say it in the beginning of the show where it's just like, oh, he's like, oh, this is just six people get together or seven people get together and go on a quest to save the world. How is that different from anything else? Spoilers, it's it's not. And then and then she's like, well, it's actually like this. And he's like, wow, that is very different. And it's like, it's no, like, it's oh. literally the same thing. Yeah, and it's like it's like we just saw this within the past year uh, with Wheel of Time, Lord of the Rings, Willow, this, 
House of the Dragon. House of, well, House of the Dragon, a little different because there's no, like, quest with a whole bunch of people. And it's just, like, it's just, like... Also, you know what? Respect to The Witcher. No spo- spoilers for House of the Dragon. But on on this show, when all of the ruling people are gathered together and about to usurp power, the dragon does uh, burn them all down. Was that a dragon <laughs> or was that something my kid drew on a piece of paper? I, well, I had <laughs> Because questions. that looks like balls I like it, it reminded me a lot of like you know like in beetlejuice when they like go to the other dimension <laughs> it looks like, like, a, like yeah <laughs> the one that they had scarred me from my entire childhood i yeah, know yeah. uh so it's it's like it's this it's not even high fantasy it's like mid fantasy because it's it's like what the kids would say it's mid because they don't have it's just here's a journey here's this wonderful world building and here's these characters you're going to care about them. We're not going to tell you why you need to care about them. We're not going to make them interesting. We're not going to do anything different from any other high fantasy journey you've seen. It's just this. Enjoy well, I'll it. Say, it's honestly, <laughs> like, it's even worse than that because it's also, and we're doing it in four episodes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's just like, and what's even weirder is like the main bad guy was like a lovable good guy in Lord of the Rings. So it's like it rings of power. Um, and it's just like, it just, it's so, I feel like that's what, like, Willow's airing right now. I can barely keep up with it. It just hasn't, it's not even sticking to my ribs. And I, that's the type of stuff I like. And it's just, like, this, it's, like, this show is such, like, a waste of time. It really is. It's just, like, and I'm going to finish it because I'm two and a half fucking episodes in. So, I'm like, well, now I got to know how it finishes. But it's just, yeah. like. I only got to the first, through the first episode. And I feel pretty good. I will, you know, I'm going to go to Josh in a minute. But I will say, I thought that Sophia Brown, who plays one of the main characters, was really good. And I thought that, like, she has star potential. She could lead a show like this. I liked what she was doing. Um, and yeah, so, Josh, anything else that, uh, <laughs> that you want to say about it? Because that's as far as I can go. <laughs> It really feels like your friend's D&D campaign that they're really into and they try to explain it to you yeah. and you're like, oh, wow, that sounds great. But in reality, you're like, what? I don't I don't care. That's what this show is. Um, it, it tries to present itself as, you know, oh, isn't this epic? Isn't this amazing? But I mean, you're you're totally right, Alex, to bring up that one piece of dialogue where they they say, like, actually, <laughs> no. Or, you know, this is something we've heard before. It's like, okay, well, if you realize that, then why are you making the show? Because there's nothing new here. Some of the, I I think some of the performances are are fine. Um, I think some of the choices with like the world building are really like weird and don't make any sense. Like in this first episode, they make a big deal about uh, the song that um the main character the lark is singing the song means absolutely nothing it's talking about like an uprising from like the lowborn people of the continent except there is nothing like that well it's totally unrelated so yeah they try and i've watched like two and a half episodes of the four and they try and make that like this is the rebellion song and they're going but there's no like the people like the lowborn people are treated poorly and like maybe there's gonna be a revolt, but it's never built up. I feel like they're gonna shoehorn that into the last episode. The yeah. show feels like caught right in the middle between the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings trilogy and Xena Warrior Princess. 
Um, yes. And I think that that's like an untenable tension uh, that cannot sustain my interest. So I will not be continuing to watch the show. Um, I really found it striking that like sometimes it was like, wow, this looks really expensive. It looked like they really put a lot of work into it. And other times it looks like it's like the cheapest, you know, foam rubber, uh, like steel blades and stuff like that. And I think that it just you just are asked so quickly to be invested in a world without giving and i know it's a prequel right so there is an assumption that like you already know this world you care about it there's some buy-in but it is a completely different story that takes place 2000 years in the future or in the past and presumably none of these characters have any connection to you um and yeah they just rush through it so fast like the way we get one scene where the sister shows up and is like, I'm going to bring you home. And then the, and, the, and she's like, I don't think so. I'm not going to let you do that. And then and then she's then like that little girl has a seizure and is like, you should redeem your wrongs. And, and she's like, OK, I guess I'll go back home with my sister. Very next scene, sister gets killed. Like it just like it's so fast. They don't let anything breathe because they only have four episodes. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but like, you know, maybe they should have tried it to stretch it out six. a little bit longer. It was supposed to be six, and that's damning. Like, if you read the Wikipedia entry, it's like, this was really supposed to be a six-episode thing, and they cut it down to four. Well, that, you can feel that. It feels like they yeah. cut it down. It feels like it's just pitched to, like, a general audience, uh, which I think is a mistake, because the thing that people like about this genre of storytelling is really feeling immersed in the world building, right? That's always number one. Like, number one is the world building, number two is the characters, number three is the plot. And here, it was just plot, 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 plot will introduce these people as fast as humanly possible, move them through the story as quickly as possible so we can hurry up yeah. to get to where we need them to be. And it's like, why are we in such a hurry? Like, why can't this be an eight episode season and we can like meet all of the characters and follow them on their journeys and have it, you know, and it's like, it's a little hypocritical, I guess, for me to say this because my complaint about, you know, the rings of power was that it felt like things were going on for too long and I never cared about what was happening. And I just felt like, stranded in all of these stories because they were just like languishing until finally something happened but uh surely there's a balance between those two approaches yeah and the other problem was the witcher show itself it's like the first season was end of 2019 the next season's like beginning of 2021 so there's so much time that like like for you to remember everything this wasn't like stranger things where it was like seasons one two and three were like jam together then you had like a little a break and then you came back to season four you know these characters already it's like you have to kind of go back and remember the witcher it's not it's not like it is popular but it's not like everyone knows it like and i think it's a little arrogant to be like oh let's do a prequel series okay were people demanding it it's well it's more like netflix's bottom line was demanding a marketable yeah, franchise I, that they owned yeah. and so therefore we, we were doing that but josh you correct me if i'm wrong you've seen all two of the witcher seasons right you've seen yes. both of them yes. so i would say that you are at least a marginally a fan of the franchise do you feel like this was a proper brand extension um as gross of a term as that is in terms of a creative project um but like do you feel like this like honored the spirit of the witcher do you feel like it hit some of those same spots for you or do you feel like it was just a real swing and a miss so even though i i, I can't speak to the entire you know four episodes and i've watched them but what i've heard from um my wife who's kind of heard from people online is that apparently even fans of like the series are livid because it goes and it later messes with some of the lore 
that setup in the, the the franchise and the main series. Um, and so the answer is, it, it's actually burned some bridges with with fans who were already on board with the series. So, in fact, not only did it not put things forward, it may have. I mean, the last you know three months have been just like terrible for this uh, brand of The Witcher on Netflix. So, no, this this did not help. Uh, this did not help at all. And it's one of the lowest rated and lowest critically rated original series from Netflix. It's like it's like terribly reviewed. Like critics were really harsh on this, and I know I sounded like I was harsh. It's perfectly okay. Like it's like a pa- like it's. I a think per- it's just. I think it's just it's barely pass- okay. It's, it's passable. Like when I say perfect, when I say okay, it's just like this is fine. It's like whatever. It's on the background. Like you miss it, miss it. You didn't miss anything. It, you know what? If you watch like- it, you're fine. It's like B tier CW content. Like it's like mm, Rain. Generous. You know, like that's like where we're in the. You remember that show Rain on the CW? Yeah. I think that's re- that's the area that. This we're reminds in. me of like the uh, Hollywood had this like uh, like pattern of releasing films like high fantasy films like Aragon and like there was that one with Jeff Bridges I can't remember off the top of my head. Dragonheart. No, that's. Wait, is that Sean Connery? Yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> there was like they they released these like sort of high fantasy like big bu- seemingly big budget films right around Christmas time. They always flop because they were just like kind of like okay, you've introduced this new series. I don't get it. Like there's a lot. Everything was kind of slapped together. This is what that feels like. It feels like a cash grab. It doesn't feel like this. A lot of thought was put into this, unfortunately. And I mean, it's perfectly passable to watch, but. It's it's not in, must in watch an era television. like you guys are saying where we are flush with fantasy yeah. content. Mm-hmm. Passable is just not going to do it. No, it's not. It's not. And uh, and you know it's interesting, Josh, that you say that that's the fans' reaction to this because it seems like a big reason why Henry Cavill is no longer employed by The Witcher is because he was consistently making complaints like that that they were not honoring the source material, that they were not doing justice to the character, that they were not being respectful of the world, and they were like, "We want to do our own thing. Shut the fuck up, Superman. Go fly away and hang out with the Rock." And uh, you know that that made history. But it seems like this is also indicative of that approach. So it's crazy to you know when you're. Bar- Barely out the gate to be alienating your fan base to this extent. And and now he's making his own Warhammer series where he's in charge so he can make sure they follow the lore. So, yes, Warhammer, a thing that totally exists that I that I know a lot about. Um, (laughs) I know too much about it. Um, But, yeah, it's and I don't know when season three is even coming. Like, I don't think, I think that, it's supposed to come next year. I, well, no, I believe it's supposed to come this summer because they've already filmed it with Henry Cavill, that that's the last thing. And then the Liam Hemsworth one is supposed to shoot this year and, and go next year. So we still have one more Henry Cavill uh, iteration of this. But I believe they're going to continue doing more brand extensions. I think there's like an animated show uh, in the works in this universe there's there's more stuff happening here. They want it to be their own Game of Thrones and uh, or their own Star Wars. And, you know, I guess we'll see. You know, um, certainly everyone's allowed one misstep along the journey, but eventually those missteps pile up pretty fast these days. So that's going to do it for us. We, of course, uh, over the course of three years, no missteps in any case, in nope. any episode flawless record 36 for 36 going on 37 um so good job us congratulations guys uh in the meantime uh until next month where we will be reviewing poker face um i'm sorry guys i know that the cool thing to do would be to review last of us and because that's what all of the internet is gonna be talking about but obviously we're going with poker face because come on natasha leone as columbo basically for ryan johnson how can you pass that up um so until we get there 
Josh, where can we find more of your stuff on the internet? So people can also find me on the Anniversary Brothers podcast with my brother Aaron, where every month we talk about the anniversaries of TV shows and films. Um, we actually just recorded an episode yesterday where we talked about the 15th anniversary of Cloverfield, nice. um, a movie which I have a fun personal history with that I, I think I shared with you guys before on this podcast. Um, no idea why yes, that came up. Yes, I think, you did. Yeah, I don't remember yeah, what it I is. But yeah, so people should listen to that. Um, and I watched we... that movie in my dorm room, literally three blocks away from the events of Cloverfields, and that was intense. That was an intense I, experience. I did. I watched <laughs> in a theater right around that area, and my wife and I walked out. We we're like, "This was a bad idea to come to the city to watch this movie." <laughs> <laughs> or the best idea, the best way to watch <laughs> an immersive experience. That's what everybody wants these days. You're right at the curve. Who needs 3D, James Cameron? <laughs> Just watch the movie <laughs> where it takes place. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, so people should check out that podcast. Um, and then I'm hoping that this year I'm going to have some more of my Couch Potato columns written. I know it's gone from monthly to, to quarterly, unofficially. But I do have some ideas in the works. Just uh, finding the, the time to write them has been a bit of a challenge. So hopefully those will be up uh, in the near future. Well, maybe while I'm filling in for you on the Anniversary Brothers this month, you can take the time to write up your next column. That would be exciting because I will be on there talking about, uh, am I allowed to say, Josh, am I allowed to say what we're going to be talking about or we're going to tease Go for it? it. Go for okay, it. we're going to be talking about Breaking Bad, the anniversary of Breaking Bad, which is a show that I recently rewatched all of uh, when uh, Better Girl Saul finished. So I'm very excited to talk about. Uh, You're all choked uh, up. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about uh, the anniversary Breaking Bad with Aaron and uh, very sad that Josh can't be with us. Uh, but Bill, how about you? Where can we find your stuff on the internet? Oh, man. Where can't you find me these days? Uh, I have podcasts I would love to tell you about. Uh, first, follow me on Twitter at BodkinWrites. I'm actually probably going to write a review of uh, this Witcher debacle just because I'm probably going to finish it off because I'm like, all right, I'm half, I'm like almost done. So might as well finish it. Um, uh, I am also, uh, I started a new podcast, which is going to air monthly on the pop break today feed, which is called anchored in Asbury, which is a brand new, uh, music interview series. Uh, I'm going to be talking to different, uh, musicians, artists, uh, promoters and whatnot. And it's all, uh, comes back to the roots in Asbury park. I recently did, an interview with the lead singer of the Disney tribute band, uh, The Little Merman. I am going to be inter uh, interviewing the uh, head of uh, Nectar's Presents, which is a big jam band type promotional company uh, that actually started in Asbury, is now based in Vermont, is going national. I'll be doing that as well. Find that on Pop Break Today. I almost said Pop Break TV, but I'm in Pop Break Today. I am also the Bill and the Bill versus the MCU podcast uh, that I do with Alex every single month. We're doing Daredevil season one to kick off our second season. I am also the co-host of the Socially Distance podcast, which drops every single Friday on all your favorite streaming platforms. This month, we're doing the rewatch of the Cornetto trilogy, which is Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fudd, Hot Fuzz, not Hot Fudd. That's a completely different, weird Warner Brothers Discovery kind of after dark <laughs> animation project in the uh, vein of Harley Quinn, if you know what I mean. Acha cha cha cha. Um, don't cut that out. That's that's one of my best bits ever. Um, I mean, we should cut it out so that way you can uh, pitch it to Warner Brothers to Discovery, <laughs> get that thing greenlit, uh, and the world's end. And we're also we're gonna be talking about the last of us uh find that on the socially distance um 
a hub on all your favorite streaming platforms. Of course, I am the editor-in-chief of the popbreak.com. We've been doing this. This will be our 14th year. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter at the popbreak. Yes, Bill, Josh, thanks so much. As for me, uh, you follow all of my work, all of those places that Josh and Bill already said. Uh, <laughs> you can keep up with me. Um, I'm not really active on Twitter these days, but I am still posting links to my stuff when I, when it drops. So if you want to keep track of where I am around the internet, you can check that out. You can go to thepopbreak.com, click on the podcast tab, see all the podcasts that I'm supervising, all the podcasts that I'm appearing in, all the podcasts that I'm hosting, all the podcasts that I'm editing over there. Uh, also, uh, this month uh, on my Cinema Joe's podcast, film podcast that I do. Uh, we're going to be talking about the year in review, our favorite big budget, small budget in foreign films, as well as our favorite performances. Uh, very excited to get into that. And I had the pleasure of being on uh, my friend David Pod- David's podcast uh, called Piecing It Together, uh, where we reviewed White Noise by looking at all of the all the different puzzle pieces that helped build that uh, particular movie over on Netflix, uh, including different cinematic influences that we observed and things just that came up um, in conversation. So that's that was a really fun episode to record. So check that out as well. Um, and in the meantime, also, oh, uh, if you're interested in my film thoughts, you can also... Uh, so you can follow me on Letterboxd at Media Thinkings, uh, where I have just watched 40 films in the last, like... 15 days because uh, I'm an insane person uh, and uh, yeah it was an incredible ride and you can see I wrote little short reviews on every only like one or two sentences each most of the time unless it really bothered me or really impressed me um, definitely check out uh, what I had to say about all those films over there and I have a running list of the 83 films that I have seen uh, from the year 2022 ranked in order and that will be available until the end of January when it gets shortened to a top 20 list because who cares about 83 films uh, in the long run right guys I, but, uh, <laughs> I love this. If you want to hear what I have to say about Michael Bay's Ambulance or about Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, tribute to his father, Sr., or a wide variety of other things that were varying degrees of good and bad, uh, check out uh, that over there. So until next time, guys, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, as always, uh, enjoy your TV break until next month. <laughs>